How are we feeling this morning? So good to be with each one of you. I already feel like there's a good spirit in this place, and there's a lot of great things happening here together with each one of you. I walked through the kids' area earlier, and as I was coming through there, I just am always impressed by how well our kids on the AF team is and how well they run things and just the joy on kids' faces that they see back there. You ever go by someplace and these kids don't look like they're very happy to be somewhere? Like, you know, like when you drop them off at school or something, and it's not the day, like... My kids want to go to school on a birthday, but then there's other days they're like, they just don't have that thing. I'm like, get out the car, you know? But um, I think that it's always special when you have kids. Yeah, hand me that mic. When you have kids that are just able to. So we're not going to put up with that ringing again this week either. Let me hide that back there. Act like it's not here. How's that? Is that better? Come on, here we go. We just came out of a great series that we started at the beginning of the year called Stretched. And last week, if you weren't here, we ended it with a bang. And I thought it was one of our best services we've had this year. I'd encourage you to go back and watch it online and check it out if you'd like to. This morning, we're beginning a brand new series. You just saw the bumper for it. It's called Life Hacks. Life Hacks is all about helping us discover how to hack life through the Bible. And a hack, what is a hack? A hack is simply a clever way to help uh, a complicated situation. It's a clever way to help figure out a very complicated situation. Now, some of y'all, like, have a good idea of what a hack is. Y'all use a, a hack around your house. You ever go to somebody's house and they got duct tape holding everything together? Or Velcro straps, like all Velcro straps on top of Velcro straps. Men are renowned for it in the garage, Honey is like, I'll buy it. No, don't worry about it. I'll figure it out. I got it under control. And we do in the garage. It's this whole world of just things. And if somebody tries to mess with it, don't. It's a spider web. It's just crazy, but it's working. It's figured it out. So I kind of began to think about this series and thought, the Bible can seem to have a lot of answers, but life can be really complicated. So this whole series is based upon the fact that we can find ways to hack the complicated parts of life through the Word of God. So this is really, it's going to, really going to be a fun series. But as I was going through some hacks, like this is one, that, and maybe some of y'all know about this hack. Maybe this is one that, that people are here are familiar with. If you don't know about it, I promise you, everybody's going to go try it. How many of y'all know about the key fob hack? The key fob hack simply is, you know how like if you're at the mall or you're at the store and you, you hit the button and you, you're too far away to figure out where your car is or to lock it again and you because we all do it. Did I lock my vehicle? And you're all the way to the other side. You, you know you did because you hit the button three times. But you're still wondering. If you want to hack that and not have to walk all the way back, I promise you this works. Your head actually acts as an antenna. You hold your key fob right here. Some of y'all are looking at me like I. You hold your key fob right here. And you click the button. And your head will transmit the signal to your car. I got more impressive things than that to say this morning, but that's a good one right there. This series is going to be really good. How many of y'all are going to go try that now? And you're going to write me back and go, it didn't work, Pastor. Listen, my email is tara at myavenue.church. <laughs> be sure to... If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of... Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, I'm going to read one verse, then I'm going to ask you to jump all the way back into the Old Testament, into 2 Kings chapter 5. 
And in this, in this beginning week, week number one of this series, this thought came and was built out of, I think it was week number five of Stretch, when we were talking about uh, the lady prior to that Jesus is referring to here. But as he did, he also made mention of two people in Israel. And this is the second person he made mention of, of Naaman. And I want to pull out the story of Naaman. Because this morning, we're going to hack, are you ready for this? We're going to hack control. Where are my control freaks at? Get ready. And if you didn't raise your hand, it's because you know you got that subtle control thing going on. You got that control thing going on where you're like, you know, because everybody wants to control a scenario and a situation to some degree. Just some of us, this is like, I started with this one because it's right up my alley. I know all about this situation, this challenge. Some of us know how to really hide it well. And you just kind of pull the strings passively, the passive-aggressive type, who are going to come back and manipulate things to massage them from the side. And then some of us just don't care, and we out in front just controlling situations. And we get labeled control freaks. But we all have a challenge in this area that we want to control and dictate situations. If it becomes out of our control... We don't know what to do, and we freak out, and we get, uh-oh, and we're really challenged this morning. Let's hack this control problem. Luke chapter 4, Jesus said, there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed. Say cleansed. cleansed. But only Naaman the Syrian. Now let's go read the story. Second Kings chapter 5, verse 1. Now, Naaman, spoiler alert, Naaman's going to get healed at the end of the story. And I was almost going to preach this verse by verse, but I thought, I'm going to give you the whole story, and then we're going to work our way through some different context inside of it. Naaman was a commander of the Lord's army, of, I'm sorry, commander of the army of the king of Aram, not the Lord's army. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. Take note. When God does something great in your life, he wants to do it through you. We say God did this to me. God wants to get it through you. Oh, it's a whole good message for a whole other day. The Lord had given victory to him in Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but, say but, but he had leprosy. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone and out and taken a captive a young girl from Israel. She served Naaman's wife. And this girl said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him, the king, what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, the king of Aram said, go. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 sets of clothing. He had about 75 pounds of each one, each bag. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. I wish it was that easy sometimes. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a fight with me? 
When Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent this message to him. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know there's a prophet in Israel. Listen, king, send the guy my way. You know this. I'll heal leprosy for breakfast. Send him my way. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him and said, hey, he didn't even go out and see him face to face. He didn't even go out to the great man and look at him in the eye. He sent his servant down. Hey, tell him, here's what you do. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would have surely come out to me and stood and called upon the name of the Lord his God and waved his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Or not, Arbana and Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel. Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and he went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then, when he tells you, just go take a bath, wash and be cleansed. So he went down, and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored, and he became clean like that of a young boy. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning for what you're doing in this place. God, we love to see you bless and touch families. Now, God, we ask for your personal hand upon our lives. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this room to do something great in my life. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? I deal with control issues. I, 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 I just got qualified for TSA pre-check again. How many of y'all enjoy TSA pre-check? Why? Because I don't like them telling me what to do going through the line for TSA. So I'm doing everything I can to avoid somebody controlling situations in my life. Well, it's convenient, Pastor. No, I don't like them controlling and telling me what to do. It has a convenience factor to it. But I don't want to take off my shoes and take off my belt. And I, I, I want to make things as simple as possible. My wife sometimes gets annoyed at me because I will do everything. I, I won't break the law. But if there's another way to get around something, I'll go that way. I will choose my own path many times when it comes to different scenarios. I don't, I'm not, I, I travel a lot. I travel some. I enjoy airports. They don't bother me. I don't like the situations where I feel like I'm being controlled and herded. I, I, like, I like planes. I can normally be pretty comfortable on a plane. But I don't like when I'm sitting on a plane and I put my seatbelt on and I have no control over anything for the next hour, two hours, three hours. Because they close that pilot's door and lock it with a key. And then this girl puts it in her pocket and they guard that thing, which they need to do. But I'm out of control. What do you do when you're out of control? I want to call this message out of control, but it's hacking control. But what do you do when you're in situations where you need to be in control, but you're out of control? Okay, some of y'all are looking at me like, he hasn't come up my road yet. He hasn't parked in my driveway yet. He hasn't brought it home to my house yet. Moms, where we at? Y'all get really control-driven when it's time to take family pictures. 
it's family picture time, and everybody sees that calendar, that appointment pop up on their calendar, and like, ooh, mom's going to be special today. Everybody be good. Everybody behave. Everybody mind themselves today. And moms take over from there. Stand here. Look there. Smile like this. Hold your shoulder like that. Tilt your head like this. Breathe in like that. And we take them. We don't get a say. Nobody comes by and says to me, what do you think? I'm standing over here on the side. I mean, you just told me everything to do. How do I know if I even did everything you just told me to do? But you want to be in control and dictate the whole thing. It could be a single shot just for Christmas. It could be a whole family portrait. Moms lose their mind at family picture time. And you try to jump in the way and be like, let me see what I look like. Oh, hello. There is something inside each one of us that we have to be in control. I'll get a little bit more real. Here's a real challenge I have. Some of y'all are going to relate. When I know what's best for you and you don't do it. <laughs> when I have an expectation that I told you what you needed to do and you didn't do it. Ooh, that'll get me. Because I'm like, I told you. I explained it to you. You came and asked what I thought. I volunteered my information for you. And I let you know how you should run your business, how you should break up with that person, how you should manage this situation. I gave you the perfect plan and you didn't do it. That's control. Am I talking to anybody yet? We deal with this all the time. In so many situations, we walk through life and we deal with control issues. Here is Naaman, the great general, the man who was leading his country to victory after victory, controlling horses, controlling infantrymen, controlling the cavalry, controlling battles, dictating what happens, and suddenly he's in a situation that he can no longer control. Because when life happens to you in a way that you don't know how to control, you begin to spiral. And you begin to say things, think things, do things, act out in ways. You begin to make decisions you would have never made before. Because as long as I have the keys and I'm in control, I'm safe. But the feeling of panic and the feeling and the frustration of being out of control can be so great. Naaman, what is he going to do? Leprosy is something that will kill him. Leprosy would begin and it would become so to the point that he has to be put out because it's highly contagious. Somehow this must have been in the early stages because his king was aware of it and said, hey, yeah, whatever you got to do, go get healed because it was only a matter of time until he would have to send him away to a, a camp outside of the city where the man would eventually die one of the most painful deaths you could imagine. All because he could not control what was happening to him. Control freaks make great leaders and difficult people. If you see somebody that's a great leader, sometimes they can be a difficult people. Why? Because they got this thing inside of them that causes them to be really good at something. 
and they're used to living at that level until the level reduces to the point that they no longer can dictate the or the, control the narrative. And when they can't any longer, the things inside of them reduce down. Naaman was really good at what he did. You probably have an area of your life where you're really good at it. Numbers, work, systems, processes, people, law, whatever you practice, whatever you do. It's an area you excel at. It's a gift that God gives you. It's something that he's doing through you. Who you are is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to God. So God is working through Naaman to bring victory. And Naaman's gift back was, well, God, I'm good at this. I'm good at this. But here's what happens. People who are really good at something often use it as a cover for things in their life they don't want to address. It's quiet this morning. People who are really good and excel in an area will excel so high that that is what we notice and see so that you don't pay any attention to what I got going on somewhere else. I'm going to win as many battles as I can because I don't want you to know about the leprosy I have. So I'm going to hide it under my armor, and you'll see the shiny armor. You'll see the victories, the campaigns, the wins. But I'm not going to let you see inside of what is really going on in my life. Because I can't control how you may respond when I show you what's under my armor. Therefore, I won't let you in. This is the place Naaman's at. Naaman is, what am I going to do right now? How am I going to deal with this condition, this disease? In 44 years of living, I've learned this. Years of pastoring, you, most of us here, watching online, wherever you might be, you have two eyes, two ears, a mouth, one nose, maybe two arms, maybe ten fingers, maybe ten toes, and you got more than one butt. You got this butt in your life. He was a great warrior, a great general, a great man. And the Bible says he had a butt. But he had leprosy. But he had leprosy. But he was good at something, but got in the way. If you're taking notes this morning, write that down. That's point number one. Our butt. And we're not talking about anatomy. We're talking about that thing inside the armor you don't want to talk about. The thing that ne needs to be known to somebody so that you can receive help and healing. But if you can't control the narrative around it, nobody knowing about it. Marriages are suffering. Nobody can know about it. Relationships falling apart. Nobody can know about it. People on the inside dying. Nobody can know about it. Why? Because if I can't control the way you'll respond and what you think about me, I ain't telling you. So in order to protect myself, I just won't talk about it. And I'll hide it in my armor. But inside, I'm dying. Because your butt gets in the way. 
because that thing you have, you ever had your condition contradict your calling? Your condition contradicts your calling. Think about it like this. I, and I'll start with myself. I can preach, but I can't control my mouth. I can teach, but I can't have a good attitude. I can sing, but I struggle with my sexuality. I can get my employees to respect me, but my spouse resents me. I can be creative, but I have a critical attitude. I can be really sweet, but I have an anger issue. I can succeed, but I am miserable. I'm a rock star with my friends, but I take out all my frustrations on my family. If I haven't landed somewhere for you yet, I could keep going. We all have a but. There's an elevated measure of life you live at. There's something you're really good at. There's a place that, you, that people see and they notice and they pick up on. But there's a part of your life that you do a really good job of hiding and keeping it from being exposed because it would be out of your control. We cover it up. We hide it. We learn really well how to cover that stuff up. In public. But at home in private, it's known. Watch what happens in verse 3. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So this tells us that this man, this great warrior, this general, out on the battlefields at home has been uncovered. At home, he takes off the armor, and when he does, even the little girl has seen the leprosy attack the man. And she has a solution and an idea. And she has, a, she has something go through her head and vocalizes it because she knows about a prophet named Elisha from back home. Because at home, you're really known for who you are. In public, at home, but. Your butt is seen at home to everybody. That's a fun message. Some of y'all are like, does he know what he's saying? Is he aware of what he's talking about? Come on, we can, we can enjoy this this morning. And a little, there's a little bit of humor tagged into it because this is a hard message. Because this is an area of your life. And, and you may be sitting next to somebody and they're like, I hope they're taking notes I sure hope they're listening this morning. I'm going to just play this every day on YouTube as soon as they get home from work. And it's just period, It's just going to spontaneously be playing. And I hope they're listening. Because you're destroying lives around you because of your control. And you're hurting and harming instead of helping and blessing. There's greatness inside of you. There's a gift in you. But when that gift is out of control, it's because you are full of control and have to be in complete control. I'm going to show you in a second how to hack it, but I'm still building up my theory. You can be a public hero who struggles with a private hell. And suddenly, it's this thing inside of us 
that we've been hiding. If you're right, taking notes, write that down. Number two, we cover our butt. We cover it up. How long did he have this condition? How long was it this way? How long was he covering it? Was he hiding it? How long was he doing something to keep other people from knowing about it? How long was it that he was winning battles on the outside and losing life on the inside? How long was he living life to the point that on the outside he was getting awards and glamour and prestige, but on the inside he's counting his days because he knows they're numbered because life is falling apart? And the servant girl would see him change and go, he needs something in his life. And I know somebody can give it to him. So she gives him a recommendation. And she says, hey, here's what you need. Here's what you need. It's crazy. It's crazy when something smaller than you gives you counsel. That's not something I can control. When somebody or someone lesser, smaller, then you gives you a thought. See, I've, I've been doing this long enough to understand. If I got up here on Sundays and preached to your armor, we'd all shine so bright and go home broken, hurting. But if I can get past your armor to your soul, if I can go beyond everything on the outside, the exterior, I'm not going to waste my time nor yours getting up here just talking to the shiny things in your life. But if I can get to the place where real change can happen, you can see your life begin to move forward. You can begin to see the things happen that you need. Why do you think we stand here and say over and over and lift up small groups? Because it's when you get to a place where you put trust in somebody else. I'll use going to breakfast or dinner or whatever the different groups are, whatever the, the, the attraction and the draw is, you want to play sports with somebody, any of it as bait to get you to build a relationship that you'll let somebody look under the hood of your car. Yes, sir. Because inside that car, underneath the armor, you need to have somebody, not everybody. So I don't get up here and tell all my business with a microphone, and neither do you. We've been to those, maybe you've been to those churches where it's open mic, and you're like, that's a little inappropriate. But I have people in my life that know everything about me. I feel bad for them sometimes. You got those people? Because we're really good at covering up our stuff, covering up our butt. It's as if you go to the doctor and you sit down and say, Doc, here I am. Here I am. And he says, well, what's going on? Don't worry about it. Here's what I need. And you want to write your own prescription. And he's, but, but, but Dave, what do you, what do you, tell me what's going on. No, no, no. Here, I don't want to talk about it, but here's what I need. So if you'll just sign off on it, I'll go figure it out on my own. Naaman, Naaman, if you'll go down and dip in the water seven times in the Jordan, you'll be cleansed. And Naaman makes one of the greatest statements you should underline in your Bible. Because it's an area of life that every control freak and every control addict and every person that struggles with it, which I believe is everybody in every space, we just demonstrate it different ways, needs to understand. Verse 11, Naaman went away and said, I thought that. 
Have you ever told God what God should do? Have you ever sat down in that doctor's office and told him how he should heal you? Have you ever looked at your spouse and told them how they should behave? Have you ever looked at your kids and told them they should be doing this? I thought by now, oh, I got some famous last words, echoing through the halls of my home, bouncing around in my kids' heads. I thought by now you would have learned, taken out the trash, figured that thing out. Oh, my goodness. If you need a litmus test to see if you're control, see if those words fit you. I thought you would have done this. I thought you would have done that. Because I'm telling you, my opinion is the best one there is. You need no other. Don't waste your time shopping around. Close down Amazon. I got what you need. Write down number three. I'm going to give you the hack in a moment. Give your butt to God. I know, I kind of got raw this morning. I'm sorry if that offends you. But I don't know any other way to say it. Give it to God. Give what you're hiding to God. He looks at him and says, I thought he would have surely come out here and stood and called upon the name of the Lord his God and done this to me and done that to me. I thought he would have done it this way. And how many times have we missed what God was trying to do because our thought got in the way, our control got in the way? I asked myself as a parent, how many times have I got in the way of what God was doing in my kids because I thought I knew what I wanted them to do? I do everything I can to stay out of the way of what God's doing in this church. And I know I get in the way when I begin to use language like that. When I begin to live that way, function that way. Now we understand you have to have an opinion. You have to have a thought. We're not supposed to be mindless. But the Bible says, may I have the mind of Christ. That I can have the mind of Christ. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Mind. That my mind is in a place of submission to him. That I don't have to control how something is done. I can get on board with what God's doing. But when I think it's got to go a certain way and it doesn't. How many times have we missed out on what God is doing? He went down, verse 14, dipped in the Jordan seven times. And as the man of God told him, his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Here's your hack. How do you hack control? One word, surrender. Surrender to give up control to release my will, to not have to have my way. And if you want to argue with me in your head right now, ask yourself why you're arguing. Naaman was a man who had won many battles, but now he stands in a place where in order for him to find the greatest victor he'll ever know, he's got to surrender what he thinks should happen. And he's got to lay down his pride because he said, aren't the rivers where I come from in Damascus a whole lot better than this dirty water down here you got in Israel? The Jordan River is not anything great. 
Not anything special. Everybody knew it. And you think I got to get in there? And his men, oh, you got to have some good people around you that can talk some sense into you. If he had said, go here and do this, go there and do that, pay this price, you were ready to pay all that money. Naaman, are you understanding this? That if you'll just get in that water and take a bath and dip seven times, you get to keep all that money and be healed. But when it's out of his control, he can't even process that it may be the thing that's keeping him, that's getting in his own way. Thinking about the ways that I get in the way of God. When my presuppositions have kept me from my purpose. God, I would, but. I would fight for my marriage, but. I want to be free from this addiction, but. I would give you control and trust you, but. And we don't trust God that he can figure something out with our kids. So we stand in the way. He can figure it out with your marriage. So we stay in the way with our butt. I'm trying not to stay on this point for long, but I feel like I need to. Because we get to this point where we get, God, I want you to heal my marriage. And God, I want you to do everything to change my spouse. But don't think about changing me because I got it figured out. Or possibly... And, and whatever you need to do in me, do it. And you're really good at examining somebody else, but not self-examination. Think about this. How many times in the Scripture, the New Testament, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, do we see Jesus ask people, what do you want me to do for you? But he never says to them, how do you want me to do it? What do you want me to do? Heal my eyes. What do you want me to do? Heal my ears. What do you want me to do? I want to walk. I haven't walked since birth. He never says, but how? And he does creative miracles so many different ways. Because he's in control of the how. I thought, surely, he'd come out to me and do this. They had this idea, this concept. This way. How many of y'all watched the fights last night? Anybody? Oh my goodness, I'm a heathen. I don't watch a lot of UFC, but when John Bones Jones fights, I'm going to watch it. So I go to watch the fights, and they got all the fights going on beforehand and different things happening, and and uh, it just, it's crazy. It's crazy because you can see how in that moment, guys are committed to the fight. Girls are committed to the fight. And they'll eat punches. And they'll take blows to the face. And they'll go through everything. They probably got concussions happening while they're in the ring. Like all kind of damage happening across their body. Every place. Why? Because they have a commitment in their hearts. I would rather, I would rather win ugly than lose pretty. You don't see a fighter, a warrior go to battle and go, you know what, is my makeup where it needs to be? Can I go in with my earrings on or do I need a, you know, is, it, is my hair in place because I just got it, I just got a new cut and the barber just kind of, you step into that ring, and you really don't care a whole lot 
you know you're about to take a beating in front of the world, but the goal is to win. But in life, a lot of times, when it comes to our home, to our churches, to our relationships, to our marriages, to our kids, we would rather lose pretty and look good to everybody else. Look at me. I got it all together. It looks good, doesn't it? And you're losing pretty. I'd rather be committed to winning ugly. Pastor, I just got my tail whooped, but I'm still married. Naaman, Naaman had to strip down in front of all of his men and get to that place where he said, you know what? I'm going to win ugly. You know what those men had to be thinking when they saw the armor come off and they saw the spots and the leprosy? They back up. I'd be thinking, how many times he got to go into the water? One, two, three, four. It's not working. It's, that's, that's me. It's not working. It's not working. You said it would work. Five, six, I'm done. I'm out. Because it's out of my control. Not having a building is challenging for somebody like me. Not having the ability to go and just, and we got to motivate ourselves and do this each week. It's hard. It's challenging. And I have to surrender what I think a church should look like to what God wants the avenue to be. Damon, you got to go down seven times and find your healing. This morning, stand up with me. This morning, I want to ask you, have you surrendered control? Are you willing to let somebody somewhere see you and see things the way they are? Let me give you this verse. I'm going to let you get out of here. James chapter 5, verse 16. You hang around here long enough, you're going to hear this scripture. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. That's a crazy verse. Confess your sins to each other that you may be healed. Naaman needs healing. Let me clear this up. It's always worth saying. I confess my sins to Jesus for forgiveness. I confess my faults to him for forgiveness. But when I need healing under the armor, I need to go to you. That's not my plan. That's his. This is the way he designed it. He created it. It's a system he set in order. And if you want to buck the system and go against the flow, talk to him about it. This is the power of small groups and community and finding somebody, not microphoning it, not amplifying it, not getting on Facebook and blasting it, but getting with somebody in a one-on-one or a couple people and saying, this is what it is right now. This is my butt. And when you do, you hand the keys over. And it is hard. I'm not telling you, I'm not selling something that's easy. But it is rewarding. And it is healthy. And it is healing. It's this place that God brings us to to heal us. Would you close your eyes? Look inside your heart right now. Deep down inside. In the next 30 seconds, look down there. And ask yourself, is my lack of ability to relinquish control 
destroying what it is I really want to be built up. Anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, disappointment, anger, confusion, strife. Those emotions, those realities come along and attack you when you need to have the keys in your hand and will not surrender them. This morning, if you will surrender control over to God, give your butt to God. I'm good, but I got this problem. And you fill in the blank. This is my butt. This is where it comes in. God, this is where I need you the most. If you can fill that in this morning and surrender that over to God, your next step is this week you've got to find somebody and have a heart-to-heart conversation. You got homework to do. I'm going to pray for you because the Bible says confess your sins one another and pray for each other. But you need to find somebody you can trust. And if you're that person somebody trusts, you put that thing in a safe and lock it up tight and you don't tell nobody. It is not a conversation piece. It is not gossip. It is prayer and it is healing and it is life. God, I thank you this morning. God, I thank you that in our lives we have areas that we win, that we're victorious, that you work through us, that you do amazing things, that we're not at a deficit, but we are living over and above. But God, this morning we've gone beneath the armor to to, to that place, to that butt, to that thing that we all have. Controlling narratives and situations and conversations and ideas and mindsets and beliefs and convictions. Stuff that is none of our business and stuff that at some point we have to let go of and trust that you will control now. Come on. This morning your surrender looks like a release. A release. You've got to keep your mouth shut. It's a release. You have to stop adding comments. It's a release. You got to stop adding your flavor to it. Just let it be. It's a release. You'll know the timing. You'll know the moment. God, I thank you. This moment right now. God, bring healing to your people. In Jesus' holy name. With every head bowed, just keep your eyes closed for a moment. I want to pray for you. If today you say, I'm here, Pastor, and you've been talking to me, this is right up my alley. Nobody looking around, just you and God. I'll look at you too. And you say, I'm struggling, and this is this is for me. Would you do me a favor and just shoot your hand up? So I don't know who I'm talking to. Come on, up and down, up and down, up and down. Just shoot your hand up and down. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. The greatest decision you could ever make is the decision to say, I want Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life. And that is a place of surrender that it all begins. When you give control of your life over to him and say, God, I no longer want to be in control. I've made enough mistakes on my own. Take over. Get out of the driver's seat. Sit in the passenger seat. He forgives your sins and sets you free. and becomes your savior. If you want to make a, say a prayer and make a decision today, it seems so simple, yet it's so significant. And say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I'm going to give you control. Would you shoot your hand up so I know who I'm praying for? I'm going to pray with you across this room. Thank you. Thank you. We pray this prayer together. I'm going to pray it with you. Everybody in this room is going to pray it. Say it out loud. Say, Jesus, come into my life. 
and use me. Forgive me of my sins and make me clean. Wash me that I may be cleansed. I surrender control of my life over to you. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. Give us the grace to find somebody and have a healing conversation this week. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.